Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reason Sports. As always, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. That's the page. That's the, the podcast uh, Twitter page. You can find the podcast also on the home of Five Reason Sports, which is at the number Five Reason Sports on Twitter. And you can find us on uh, the, the pod site is shulabowlpod.podbean.com. In the effort of full disclosure, I just want to let everyone know, this is going to be a continuation of a podcast we recorded last night. It is shortly before 9 a.m. here on the 4th of June. We recorded the initial part of this podcast last night, uh, about 9-ish or so, or 8.30 last night. And uh, the, the topic of conversation was really just what our coach's responsibility and the time that we're in right now as far as um, – talking to their players about social issues, police brutality, et cetera, et cetera. And Shane and I both felt that it was important that we jump back in here because we had two things develop overnight. I just want to start. I'm going to, I'm going to read both comments. So we had a, a comment by, or, or a statement, I should say, by FIU defensive coordinator Jeff Kopp. And both Shane and I, when I, I saw it first and I sent it to Shane, and we both thought that this was really well done and very indicative of some of the Um, or a lot of the topics that we talked about in the first taping of this podcast. And then I'm also going to try to read off, or I will read off the comments made by Florida state head coach, Mike Norvell, who he's found himself in some hot water because some of his players are pushing back and saying that the initial statement that he gave was not exactly accurate. And I think that that as well uh, touched on some of the points that Shane made in the previous taping. So I'm going to start and read uh, Jeff Cobb's comments here in, in, in totality. Uh, He tweeted this last night, shortly after 10.30. As I was finishing my run today, I encountered a young black man, probably 15 or 16, riding his bike toward me on the sidewalk. He was noticeably nervous as we drew near to the point where he almost fell off his bike trying to avoid eye contact or any sort of interaction. It has been just over a week since the George Floyd since since George since he he, uh, mistyped it since uh, George Floyd was killed at the hands of police officers, and I've been trying to form my words. My encounter with this young man crystallized my thoughts. As someone who's competed in team sports for most of my life, I've experienced how awesome it is for a group of people to come together, regardless of race, religion, orientation, or belief, to work towards a common goal. So the rest of this talks about you know, how uh, uh, Coach Cop is always, and I'm, I'm going to read this here to, to uh, um, make sure I get this in. I've always held men and women of law enforcement and the military in the highest regard. You put your life on the line daily for for base for basis for people you've never met, and I believe the vast majority of you operate in ways that brings honor to your profession and your badge. Unfortunately, this, this profession is where simply is simply where is, is this profession. This is a profession where simply good, where simply good is not good enough. This is a profession that must be held above reproach. There's an old saying in coaching that you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. So then the entire statement, like I said, I'll, it's tweeted from the Shulable podcast. Um, page. I really want to get that out there because you know he, he talks about uh, uh, the last graph here or the last two graphs. He talks about racism in America is all too real. I have the privilege of working on a daily basis with talented young black men. I get to go into their homes, meet their families, learn their story, and build lifelong relationships with them. It pains me to my core that they are put in situations like the young black the young black bike rider was put in this morning not knowing how an interaction with a white man was going to go. This nation was founded upon the premise that all men are created equal. We're at a time in our history where where we can right the wrongs of the past and truly live up to those words. 
I applaud all of the coaches in the sporting world that have spoken out in the past week in support of men, which in support of the men we work with for the black men that we've worked with in the past, present and future. I want you to know that you have my support as well. Change in America has always come from the voices of the people. America, it's time you hear our voice. Uh, Shane, just give me two minutes to get on a soapbox really quick and I will pass it to you. Um, the reason why this statement really struck home with me is because, and for those of you who will listen to the second part of this podcast that we taped yesterday, you'll hear Shane was trying to make the point to me. And, and I was flat out calling Shane naive that you, you would Shane's POV was that there would be white men who, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old who have interacted with men, um, you know, players of color for years. And that as a result, somehow they would have had some some sort of shaping or some sort of interaction that would have shaped them in a way to where they would feel sympathetic to the cause. And I flatly told out, told Shane, I was like, Hey, if that were the case, then there'd be a lot less racism. And maybe, you know, being a 28 year old black man in, in this country and having, you know, experiences that many black people have faced, maybe that jaded my opinion. Um, I wouldn't even say maybe it certainly did. Right. Cause I just summarily dismissed the idea that that could be the case. Um, the reason, like I said, why, why, uh, coach cops, uh, Jeff cops statement resonated with me is I've been that person where you're 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, it doesn't matter that you up to the grown man I am now. And you see, you know, whether it's a police officer walking down the, the sidewalk and you don't know how the interaction is going to go. Or I've been that teenage kid where you see, you know, uh, uh, an, an adult white male and you just bury your head because you don't want them to think in any way that you're a threat. And the fact that Jeff Cop had that interaction and was able to internalize it, you know, it's one thing to have the interaction. It's another thing to internalize it and cause, you know, for reflection among yourself inward and understand the responsibility that you have. And that's something that I thought, you know, you'll hear in the second part of this podcast, I, I, I summarily dismissed. And, you know, the fact that uh, Jeff Cop had that interaction and it caused him to, to look inward, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say I'm, I'm backpedaling, but it, it gives me hope. And I'm trying not to sound too, you know, um, idealistic, but it does give me hope that more people can take that kind of interaction and internalize it and, and understand, wow, you know, just the level of fear that uh that is on the other side because you know i've been that person i am that person and uh um you know kudos to coach cop on that and you know really quick uh, this has nothing to do with the fact that i cover fiu you know it just it, it's a statement that resonated with me so shana i i will uh let you have at it no i 100 percent agree with the part you said you know we give a kind of a real example of something that i hadn't even really thought of before just kind of you know there's always the the thought of you know people always say with the white man be you know fearful fear fearful of someone black on the street and you know um there's always that kind of stereotype but just having it be the other way around in those scenarios so i it, i like just like kind of the honesty which is okay and we'll get to this with mike norvell it's okay for some people to be like i almost i don't know you know what i mean i'm not aware right be real and just be you know, um, be real with to say, okay, how do I learn? How do I become better? Right. It's, you know, I, I think with some of the statements and stuff you see out there, it's, you know, they're trying to, some people are trying to be like, oh, I have this awareness. I understand it. You know what I mean? And it, it kind of falls flat or fake, but you know, there's some, 
any time. So I think there's, you know, people provide a teaching moment or an opportunity for someone to be like, Oh, you know, look, there's a little self-reflection here. Um, I think, you know, that that's a good statement. So, you know, this was obviously genuine and well thought out, um, and which can kind of translate us to what's going on Twitter this morning with, um, Mike Norvell. Sure. Absolutely. So I, I did say, you know, I'm going to try my best to read both these statements in their totality, just to give the, the subjects, you know, fair, uh, fair due there. And we have not, you know, we're taping this, what is 903, uh, Shane, I, to the best of my recollection, I have not seen coach, excuse me, coach Norvell make a statement and follow up, uh, um, a statement following up this one. So if, uh, we are leaving that out on Twitter right now. I, I guess maybe there's been a meeting called, I, you know, you know, how okay. these, these things go, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, they, they're trying to fix it, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just tough. You know, like I said, I don't, you know, if you agree with the cop statement, it's, there's genuine, there's genuineness, it's self-reflection and an opportunity to learn anyone that reads it. Right. Right, ab- absolutely. And, and you know, the the you know, there's just there's it just seems like there's coaches who were just trying to get it done. So here's Mike Norvell's initial statement, and this was the full quote to Tashawn Reed. I want to make sure I credit Tashawn Reed. He is the former FSU beat writer for the Athletic. Tashawn is now covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, however, Tashan was covering FSU for, I believe, three years. So there was some overlap with he and Coach Norvell, and he felt comfortable, you know, doing an interview with Tashan. Here's the quote. We've had a lot of open communication with our team, our players and our coaches. I went back and forth individually. I want to make sure I repeat that again. I went back and forth individually with every player this weekend. And that was something that was important to me because this is a heartbreaking time in our country. You see you see hating and you see discrimination. You see some of the acts that have occurred. I mean, it is a problem. And that's something that we have to stand together and we have to work to get fixed. I'll continue to share with our guys the platform that they have and the opportunity that is for them to make a difference, to be an influence, and to and to be able to impact our country in a positive way by overall mindset and approach of how we treat people to how we respond in these situations. I told these guys just how grateful I am to be a part of this journey with them because they are the future. We have an incredible group of men that I get to coach and work with as players and coaches. I'm honored to have the opportunity to make a difference. That's something that we definitely have talked about in a big picture team meeting approach, but also more specifically, the individual and group conversations. We're trying to meet our guys at their need and we're trying to meet our guys at their need and be able to share some of the emotions that we're all going through. That is a direct quote that Tashawn Reed attributes to Mike Norvell. Uh, I want to say this really quickly before I, I let Shane jump in here. You know, uh, there have been players, and, and Shane will touch on it, players that are, are coming out and contradicting that. And for people who who think that, you know, there are people saying, was the interview recorded or, you know, were the comments taken out of context? Just really quick, guys, <laughs> as reporters, we don't interview anybody on the record without recording it. So I, there are a lot of people who are just questioning that. And just for anyone who may have heard that and have any questions of that, that's just not how this works. But Shane, um, with the context now that, you know, some of those players are pushing back, I'll let you have at it. My thing is, is just, there's this obvious that it would have been okay for him 
And I, I don't know, if, you know what their status was with Florida State having possible Zoom meetings or something like that or how many players you did touch. It's okay to be like, I've talked to a couple of our players and plan on talking to more in the future. You know what I mean? And, you know, learning and, you know, growing and all that stuff. The rest of the statement was pretty, I guess, you know, generic. Uh, we've seen kind of out there from coaches and corporations. They don't all have to be Jeff Cobb's statement. But uh, it's just, you know, <laughs> we're, seeing, we're seeing live on Twitter right now as I do this. Um, Drew Brees came out with an apology. And then the photo he used, is literally like the first photo you Google black man and white man handshaking on Google. Like people are just to the point now where people are, you're, they're going to see what type of real effort you're putting into these thoughts you're doing. Right. Um, And I, I don't know if this is Mike Norvell. I, you know, I've heard he's a good guy. Um, So, you know, maybe this was just a simple, kind of wording mistake where it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I talked to everybody, but you know, you, I guess he just sent out a text message to everyone, but you know, this is just a point where you can't be any bit disingenuous or fake, or it's going to be exposed. Um, you know, players are saying they're not going to work out, uh, until further notice. I mean, that's, I, I, I don't even, it's gonna. I don't know how you really recover from this. You know what, Shane? It's a really interesting point you make because when you brought up the the idea of doing this podcast, I think even maybe I was a little bit jaded in the fact that I'm so used to coaches' statements all the time and you know dealing in, in the work that I do that maybe I underestimated the importance of not necessarily – and like you said, it they don't all have to be Jeff Kopp's statement, but you can't swing and miss. And you know we're seeing some people who you know are, are – really swinging and missing in this regard and uh just to you know put the the proper context here i've pulled up a couple of the responses you have uh defensive tackle marvin wilson of the seminoles who said that it was a mass generated text so you just heard shane say that he guessed it was a text that that's what it was it was a mass generated text uh and we also have receiver uh tamari and terry is saying uh oh this crazy crazy in, in reference to marvin wilson's tweet because marvin wilson said this did not happen uh, we got a generated text that was sent to everybody. There was no one-on-one talk between us and coach. This is a lie, and me and my teammates are as a whole are outraged, and we will not be working out until further notice. So that just goes to Shane's point that you know you you, you can't you can't swing and miss on this, and um, you'll no. have the rest. Or go ahead, Shane, really quick. Go ahead, Eric. I want to ask you. If I think at these times, is you feel especially, you know as an African-American man for a coach to be like in their statement to have an element of, I don't know, maybe, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know about this in depth as I thought. And I plan on learning, right. You know, just as long as you're being genuine, right. I, I feel like that goes further than trying to be like, look, I've had conversations with every single player on the team so far. You know what I mean? Shane, you asked me that, and that's a really great question. We talked about it in the in the part of this podcast you'll hear you'll hear after, right? And I talk about college coaches liking to have control; they thrive off of control, no matter the sport, thriving off of control and wanting to shape the narrative. You just hit the nail on the head as to why, because when they don't have necessarily the control and the power and being able to control the narrative, and 
they don't feel comfortable or they're not you know, necessarily the most adept at what's going on. College coaches like to have answers for everything, you know, and and I, I, I won't say that's that's exclusive to college coaches. Maybe it's people we do. But there's nothing wrong with saying I don't know. There's nothing wrong with saying I was blind to this because guess what? As you just said, Shane, it comes off much more genuine than trying to have the generic statement and swing and missing. Or if you I mean, there's always the safe route. Right. And we talked about it. that There's no need to, to rehash that because we talked about it in, in the other part of this pod that there's the safe generic. I'm against racism. I'm against such and such. Right. But it certainly rings more genuine and more sincere if you say, hey, obviously I'm against racism, but I would like to sit down and have conversations with my players because I do have blind spots, you know, and it doesn't even have to be, you don't have to say the words, I don't know. I, I hate to, it's not like I'm propping up Jeff Cobb's statement again, but he talked about, hey, my interaction today really rung true with me, you know, and I'm not putting words in his mouth saying he is saying I didn't know, but he's giving an example of saying, hey, like this really rung with me, this really stuck with me and I want to do better. Um, or, and, and, or, or, and it I, wouldn't have rung with him before. You know what I mean? Like, okay, right. we're learning here. That's it. And you know what? I also think, you know, I, this isn't also in reality and what the other part of the pod is. This isn't just about what the statement is. I mean, we're talking a lot about these statements. To me, it's what you do in the next, with the rest of your career as a football coach, right? The statement is just, it's, it's the kickoff, essentially what you do and how you handle these things and how you make it a part of your program moving forward, um, you know, is, uh, is really how you're going to be judged. You know what I mean? So coming up with the world's best statement isn't important if you, you know, you don't really follow up on any of these things or, you know, like I point out, use your voice to, to make change. Like I said, uh, you know, we, we, you're going to hear our comments as far as far in the, the time prior to this on the second half of this podcast. But we'd want to jump back in and re-record this really quickly because we felt it was important to acknowledge, uh, excuse me, acknowledge uh, Jeff Cobb's statements as well as um, the statements on Mike Norvell and just talk about how they play a factor into the podcast that we taped before. So uh, at that, we won't do a full closing. We'll leave you and let you enjoy the second half of this podcast. And um Everyone be safe out there. Good evening. Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. As always, you can find the podcast online at fivereasonsports.com. You can find our specific Shula Bowl pod link at shulabowlpod.podbean.com. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time for joining us, uh, thank you for finding us. And if you're returning, thank you for returning as always. We are taping here tonight on Wednesday, June 3rd. It is myself, Eric Henry, FIUP Rod for SB Nation, and joining me tonight is two-man crew here. Just got Shane Marinelli. He is our FAU superfan slash all things FAU and high school prep recruiting for the FAU Owls Nest. It's been a tumultuous, you know, kind of, I, I mean, I don't know if there's enough words in English language to really describe what's been going on in the past kind of four or five days or so. Uh, we promise we're not gonna, you know, go too heavy into um, some of the uh, the social uh, social aspects. Excuse me that that don't involve sports. However, 
um, a lot of these things do involve sports and they've kind of transcended and made their way into sports, specifically college football. And I know Shane kind of had some things he wanted to talk about. So we're kind of kind of bounce them off tonight. And the kind of the uh, let's say tonight's discussion is really going to be centered around college coaches and what is their responsibility or lack thereof in this weird tumultuous time. And, and I, I shouldn't say it's weird, you know, because it's not necessarily dealing with anything new. I think it's just all come to the head. Uh, or come to a head in the past, you know, kind of a uh, week or so, and, you know, resulting from the, the killing of George Floyd. So, uh, Shane, yeah, I know you, we talked about this in the chat in our WhatsApp chat, and you want to hop on there and talk about it a little bit. So, first off, let me ask you how you're doing down there in South Florida, and then I'll let you kind of take it away with uh, your opening thoughts. I'm doing well. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I, well, it's not like a great word right now, but, you know, I just, I think, you know, there's, and I think in the long run, there is some positivity that comes with this. You know, we've talked about this in many facets, even with stuff with COVID. I think um, when, you know, lots of actions happen, change tends to happen quickly and much needed change. And this is why, you know, I kind of brought it to Eric. Um, you know, I always think about, you know, just when my interests are, you know, how do, how do these things affect college football? And, you know, it just got me, you know, thinking, obviously, when it's no secret college football is a sport made up of mostly young black men. Um, and college football coaches tend to be, uh, white men. And, you know, these are, um, college football coaches spend hours and hours and, you know, three, four years with these young men, uh, many of them leaving home for the first time to be with these college coaches. So there's this such this important connection um, and you see kind of the story what's happening with Dabo um, Sweeney, um, you know, with the player saying that there was an assistant who used the N word and Dabo pretty much didn't really do anything about it. And it, it, it makes you wonder what the responsibility these coaches have to almost um, align themselves with these young men, um, you know, socially and identify with their problems um, before some of the stuff that, um, you know, before identifying with boosters or alumni or fans that they should be, you know, kind of aligning themselves with these players. They have an obligation to, um, as, as soon as facto, I guess, you know, anyway, you know, father in a way, but, you know, football coaches are, you're, you're living with these men for, you know, three, four years. So, you know, I think there's a definite obligation there. Yeah, so this was kind of my first point to you when you brought it up in the chat, and I'll toss it out to you so you can you know kind of make your feelings known about it as we're taping. Being a black person, you know, I, I, for those of you who may not know, may not you know see me on Twitter in person, whatever it may be, but I, I, Shane, I think you're, what you're presenting is honorable, and you'd like to think in a perfect society that these coaches would have. Uh, and, you know, sh- there are certainly are many who do. Let's not, you know, make a blanket statement as if all coaches only care about their bottom line and boosters and just coaching football. I think that's somewhat short sighted on coaches. However, there's two things. One, college coaches, no matter the sport. I mean, this gets referenced a lot in football, but you can say this in terms of softball or volleyball or no matter the sport. College coaches thrive on power and control. And I know that sounds negative, but. That's just comes with the job, right? It's it's an inherent power dynamic when you have coaches who are paid 
and athletes who are not paid. That's going to create a certain power dynamic. And as a result, coaches thrive on having power, right? And as a result, you probably have a lot of coaches, and Shane, I think you would admit to this, that coaches, no matter the sport, but we'll use football here for you know point of the purpose, point of the discussion, haven't always been the most adept at navigating issues outside of the sport, right? And part of that is because as coaches, they tend to only want to focus on what goes on in between the lines. And anything else, they'll either address that or they've become used to addressing that in private behind closed doors or not wanting to make those feelings made public in the social media era that we live in, right? So that's just step one. But step two is, I think, is the bigger point here, which is my my overreaching point, my overarching point. I think it's honorable, Shane, that we would want coaches who primarily, and I don't have the number off the top of my head of how many black, or I'll say minority, because uh, it's not just black, how many minority head coaches we have in FBS football. But it's honorable to say that we would want a majority of head coaches that are white between the ages of, let's say, 30 and 70, right? It's honorable to say that we would want them in a majority as a whole to identify with the majority of their locker room, which are players of color, and be able to sympathize and more importantly, empathize with the things that they go through, right? But any person of color, specifically me as a black man can tell you in society or a black person in society, that's just not that's just not logical or feasible because you can't find uh, a monolith. You can't find a majority of 30 to 70 year old white guys on the street who are going to all agree that the social issues that we're talking about here should be of importance and are worth talking about. Right, Shane? So that was kind of the bigger point that for you is that it, it's honorable that that's something that we would strive for to expect it. I, I don't think is, is, I, it's, it's just something I don't think is going to happen because you can't find that on the street, you know, and how much is that, how much of that is the power dynamic of coaches? Who knows how much of that is just, you're living in different worlds, man. When you're a coach and, and you're, you're a person, I got to disagree with that. Drew. Okay, okay, go for it. Go for it. Go for this it. No is problem. where I disagree. How many, let's just say, you know, especially, a lot of you know where football is prominent in the South. How many? We'll just I'm just throwing a number out there. Especially, we'll say 50 year old white men have walked in to and had conversation walked into black houses and had conversations with young black men as a football coach. Right? If you if you've been a football coach for you know 30 years and you're a head football coach on your recruiting trips, talking to players. I mean. You're, you're, I mean, at, at this point, you're you're around them all the time. I mean, you should be you should have a serious education on it, even more than most people, just by how many faces and how many different people you can talk to and learn from. Now, I don't know, you know, that they have to have you know the openness to learn and outside of just talking football and getting good grades so they can play football, but. You know, I do understand there is an element with coaches, and especially at the college level, they work 100 hours a week, and most of them tend not to think anything other than what's, you know, going to win a football game. You know, college football coaches are up late at night going, well, you know, 
if we're down 15 with eight minutes to go at home um, and we need a two-point conversion, what are my three best two-point conversion plays? And so on and so on, right? So they're not like thinking about this, but I, I'm sorry if you're just around the people of and any other diversity so much in your career, I, I think there should be a little education, right? Shane, that's like no one should be naive to the issues, right? Once again, that's admirable to want that. But I'm telling you right now, if if the standard would be that, oh, yeah, all you know, the amount of people who aren't minorities have come in contact with people who are minorities. And as a result, somewhere along the line, they would have had these discussions. We'd have a whole hell of a lot less racism in this world than we do now. And I can tell you that from experience as I mean, I, I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to kind of ease into this, but screw it. I guess we're here now, right, Shane? Here's here's the thing, man. Um, in with my job, you know, it's a great job to cover sports, and I don't have too many negative experiences. Majority of my experience is a positive man, but Shane, and I think I've told you this off air. There hasn't been one stadium that I've walked into that I have been looked at as the other. And all those people, all, excuse me, all those people there in some form or fashion have interacted with black people, but it's the expectation of, well, wait a minute, there's a black sports writer and, and he's young and such and such. I mean, I'll, I'll share the story really quick and then I'm going to get back to your point because I just don't think it's reasonable to expect that, you know, oh, okay, you're a 50 year old white guy and you've walked into, uh, you know, a billion um, black uh, young black men's households and as a result you would have had these conversations people don't like talking about things that are uncomfortable shane that's just a fact you know well, not i mean so i'm much sure i'm sure direct conversations but i mean I, it, it, maybe it, there is a bit of naiveness to me but like you know i i just think they don't even have to be having these direct conversations about, about maybe what goes on in these day-to-day you know their day-to-day life but man you got to really bury your head in the sand not to notice it if you're you know, up this close all the time. And, and that's probably, you know, that's, and that's probably the answer right there. Is but, you, but, you know, have it. but see, this is what I would say. Right. And I'm not in full disclosure. I would prefer if I were a student athlete right now, I would prefer that my coach say something publicly so that I know that he's not going to, uh, that my coach it, it can fully empathize with the things I'm going through. But we just saw Mike Leach tweet something out about an, uh, a noose in Mississippi the other day um, and, and not understand the significance of that. Right. And, and then, and then give, sorry, uh, if this gets me in trouble, a half-assed apology, you know, about if he offended someone, he's to learn the education. Come on, man. Mike Leach is a 60 something year old man. And he doesn't, he doesn't know the, the history of that yeah, it's, in Mississippi. Come on. That's a load of crap, but it's a, it's a, it's a bit of, you know, old dogs not going to learn a new trick at this point. Right. right. But but here's but here's here's my greater point. Right. I do believe and maybe this is me being naive. I do believe that most coaches and I don't have the coach. Let me pull it back up really quick. There was a coach. Um, gosh, I got to do this on the fly. And I'm sorry for the listeners doing this here. Um, there was a coach earlier today who put out a statement and one of his players was really happy because the coach uh, uh, I'm going to pull it back up here really quickly because I'd want to. It is. It is uh, Jeff Monken, the head coach from um, from uh, the Military Academy at West Point. He put out a statement, and I thought his statement was brilliant 
because he talked about the fact that before making a public statement, he wanted to meet with the men that he serves as the Army Football Brotherhood, and I'm quoting some of his statement here, over the last several days to have conversations about the killing of George Floyd and even and in even deeper dialogue about the country we live in from their hometowns to our campus community at West Point. Shane, I'm perfectly fine with that, right? If you don't have, if you're a coach, right, and you genuinely don't understand some of the things, you know, the some of the genesis behind the outrage and some of the things that are going on with the, the protests and whatnot, right? But you want to sit down and have those conversations with your kids, I'm fine with that. And that's all I would expect if I were a student athlete today is what is my responsibility? Just meet with me. And 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 to the the last point I'll make is this. To be completely honest, and I'm saying this as a black man, people will say anything publicly. You know, people can say it's not hard to say the right thing publicly. It's not hard to make a benign state a benign statement publicly. But if someone true truthfully, when the, I just want to get this out really quick, Shane, if someone truthfully will take the time to say, I'm going to meet with all of my players and say, damn, um, talk to me about this. So either, either it's an educational tool or, or I want to comfort you and know that I can relate to you. You know, I've seen statements from like Will Healy, you know, been being on the, uh, on the offensive talking about it vehemently about how wrong this is and things like that, you know, that's fine. But if you're taking the time and which I, from what I understand he has taken the time to talk and get to know his players one-on-one and and make that connection, whether it's behind closed doors, I'm fine with that. As long as you've taken the time to do it, because it's a lot easy, it's it's a lot easier to make the generic statement like some high profile head coaches have, and it's just business as usual. Yeah. But I, I think there was kind of a hint there with and, and I didn't know that about Munkin. And I think there is now time. And you know, I think our main discussion with this was okay, so now moving forward, um, uh what what do we what are the expectations for coaches moving forward that's uh, you know, the expect so so further so they on have that. all released a statement one or the other but you know once the dust settles once you know the months go on and teams you know start getting their players back you know what's the expectation i think you know the simplest thing they can do you know, is one, and, and we're not saying all haven't. I'm sure a lot have. I, I think, um, and just to kind of diverge here, you know, I remember there was an incident with uh, Nick Saban and a few of his players getting arrested a few years back. You remember that, Eric? Um, and one had a gun in the car, and, you know, he, and it was easy at the time, especially in that area, to, you know, to vilify these athletes. And then there's kind of a viral video of Nick Saban going around defending them, saying, you know, they're better off here. And he went on and told the story. I forgot about which player back at Michigan state who everyone wants to kick off the team. And that incident, he stood up for him. And now, you know, he has a daughter going to Yale. You know what I mean? So there's an element there. You can see behind closed da- doors that he was more about protecting the player than just an Alabama brain. But Nick Saban has enough power to do that. Right. So I, I think, you know, there is an obligation, you know, once the state this, for coaches to learn, you know, about these issues um, and be able to be in a position to use their voice to help their players. This is what I would say. And I'm once again, I, 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 you know, it's, it's tough because I'm trying to separate myself as a journalist reporter slash, you know, separate that from 
myself as a 28 year old black guy, what I would expect, but I'm speaking now as myself here, right? Not necessarily my occupation. I think moving forward, it would be fair to expect that you, for any, this is, this is what, what I would say, Shane, moving forward, we've got to stop the, you know, I didn't know. And I'm not saying that coaches have said this. I'm just using this as a broad example, moving forward. If there is another time, which look, we're not going to be post-racial. We're not going to be post anything. So there will be another time. The expectation would be that the people in position of power, primarily coaches, would be able to have this as a reference point and say, this allowed me to have conversations with my players that I might not have normally had otherwise because of the coaching profession. I mean, damn, it's a win or go home profession. And you get so caught up in all the things that revolve around coaching that, you know, maybe some of the more nuanced conversations. And once again, we're talking to make it clear, we're talking about head coaches because anyone who are, I shouldn't assume that listeners will know this. So I should state this for the record. You're going to spend the majority of your time or as a college athlete, no matter the sport, but primarily if you're playing football where you have multiple coaches, but you could go down the line, whether it's softball, volleyball, whatever, you're going to spend the majority of your time around your assistants and, and, specificity to football you're gonna spend the majority of time around your position coaches and the strength coach so mm-hmm. i don't want to lump i don't want to lump all coaches in when i say this we're talking about head coaches but i would expect that a head coach would be more prepared and they have they would have this as a reference point to look back and say okay i saw how this affects um young black men and i can make a statement that you know kind of is Something more than just it's easy to say racism is wrong, right? I that um I, I am or, against or violence this. is wrong, right? right? Like that that's always my favorite in all these statements, any corporation. Uh we are against violence. Oh, like thank you. Thank you for making that stand. <laughs> like you know, um everyone should be against violence. So but yes, I, I go you understand where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 you know, I'll I'll say this as a caveat, you know, because I mean all of us have bosses and not every college is, I mean, Shane, you'll get this. Nick Saban is going to have more power at the university of Alabama than say insert coach X at the whack. Who's just beginning his first year. Right. Yeah. But on, on a local level, you never know, you know, especially true. I, true. I, yes. True. Maybe with the national issue, Nick Saban can honestly probably push, both senators in that state to vote a certain way, right? Like, let's be real, you know, he has that type of power, but hey, you know, uh, a football coach locally might have something where he could have a conversation with a local police department. You know what I mean? So I, I think, which in the end might matter more to his players um, than, you know, a coach making a national statement, right? Especially when Absolutely. Thinking the no, that's, Shane, that's a hell of a point you made. hundred percent agree. Absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah, cut you off. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, yeah. It's, it's, so, yeah, I just think of that. I, I think, you know, especially with the head coach, and you're right about with the time they spend. Sometimes, you know, a head coach is in charge of 100 players and 100 other things, so it's, you know, difficult with that. But I think just on the broader picture, understanding what's going on and, use, you know, and being aware of these issues and using your voice, you know, to, you know, elevate these issues or, you know, push reform in a certain way. I just made an example, like I said, Nick Saban can probably get every 
get every rep- national representative in the House of Representatives in the Senate to vote a certain way if he so wished. I mean, he's Nick Saban in Alabama, right? I mean, he has the power to do those things. So it's like, you know, does he want, I'm not saying he should, but I'm just saying he probably does. So it, it you know, I, I just think the, what's gone on with Dabo this week is never going to be able to fly. I, this isn't going to end for Clemson, you know, this week, you know, and I, I and just from the recruiting perspective, I said this, to Eric before the show and it's you wonder at what point and I think now and I'm not saying that this is what matters to every single player being recruited and some might but I can certainly see a, t- a thing where a player might look a coach in the face and say you know in a home visit and be like where do you stand on some of these issues if I'm going to spend the next four years with you this is what I believe where do you stand and and that's an interesting point you know that would be on a social level, that would be great that, you know, a 17, 18 year old young man would take that level of interest in where you stand. And who knows? That may happen. Um, I don't want to be pessimistic or optimistic because I, you know, and just maybe this is me speaking. I'm turning back into journalists here. I think this generation's very good with these. I mean, you see a lot of, you see it on the news now, you see people way younger than 18 leading a lot of these things, speaking like they've, or super highly educated, like someone with years of wisdom at 15, 16 years old. So I, I would right. totally expect some college athletes to be able to ask that question, you know? No, sure. I, I agree with you. Just the, the point I was getting at is that I would say this just because some college head coaches, or let's say a majority of college head coaches haven't made their thoughts known publicly on social, social issue X or Y, Let's not shortchange their ability to answer that question on the fly if asked, because I do believe I do believe there are a fair amount of, of head coaches who could answer that question um, however they want. So I, I do think they'd be able to answer the question. I don't think it's I don't think if they were on an in-home visit. Some would be so caught off guard now, whether whether the recruit would like their answer or not, that's subjective. But I don't think that some of these coaches would be so caught off guard that they couldn't answer X or Y. And I'm not saying it's everything or anything. And I'm not saying players are only going to go where they hundred percent agree. You know what I mean? This is a very, this is just an example, but I think, you know, in the future, it's part of the formula. Now, this is another thing, you know, when the young men making decisions, um, you know, the school and all, and ultimately you want to go to college football to, for the best chance, you know, for many of the top guys to go to the NFL. And, but you know, this is, this might be another, just another reason um, that didn't exist before. Yeah, so that's going to go ahead and kind of close up our discussion here. And, you know, one thing I do want to point out is that we're having a discussion about what may or may not be coach's responsibility going forward, given these events. And part of it, which they're in a tough situation, and Shane, I'm sure that you can kind of co-sign this as well, is that they may or may not be having these discussions privately. You know, and this isn't to say that all coaches do, all coaches don't. Um, just that in the discussion, you know, we're kind of just throwing out there and Shane kind of brought it up as far as what may be their responsibility publicly going forward. But that's not to say that these coaches aren't having these discussions privately. You know, it may be shortchanging a lot of coaches to assume that they're not having these discussions privately. And like, you know, once again, Shane, you can co-sign this. But like I mentioned, we're talking about head coaches specifically. There are you're going to spend a majority of your time around your assistant coach, uh, your position coach or your strength coach. And you may have a deeper relationship with that coach specifically. So uh, anything else you want to add to that really quick? 
hundred percent agree. And, you know, obviously this is, you know, a big responsibility, um, to, you know, to embark on. And, you know, obviously we're not, you know, I've never been an FPS football player or a college football player on any level. Um, so, you know, there's, there is, I am speaking from a bit of naiveness of, you know, what's maybe going on in these locker rooms with, um, coaches and stuff. And, you know, obviously every locker room is, is different. You know what I mean? You know, it could be right about some of these situations and completely wrong about some of them. It's just, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm curious to see kind of how this does change some of the dynamics and, you know, everything in the world's recruiting to just, you know, how some coaches go about things publicly. Um, you know, just because, you know, they do have a position of, of uh, power and, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, use it for as much good as possible. No, we absolutely would agree on that. So in closing, I want to thank you for listening. As always, like I said, you can find the podcast online at five reason sports. That's the number five reasons sports on Twitter. You can find the Shula Bowl pod specific Twitter page at Shula Bowl pod on Twitter. And you can find the pod website, shulabullpod.podbean.com. Please, as always, feedback, reviews. We'll take it negative, positive, or otherwise. It's the only way we can help this thing grow. And we do want to also leave you with uh, kind of an optimistic note. FAU has announced uh, – Shane, when is FAU taking players back? Have they started already or is it mid – June 8th. June 8th, yes. June 8th. I, I'm actually – I even think maybe – I don't know some, but June 8th is a definitely the way it'll come back. So it's like, um, you know, with all this stuff, there does seem to be some – it looks like more and more football is happening at the very least. We're, we're probably going to get football on time. Um, you know, knock on wood, any crazy outbursts or things like this, you know, changing from COVID. Let's see what happens in the next few weeks. But um just seem like we're getting football, which will be uh, much needed, I guess, good or bad. You know, you know, just sports is always kind of a unifier and a distraction from things going on in the world. Absolutely. So we got June 8th for FAU, FIU. There's not a official date yet, but I am hearing, I actually tweeted this out earlier today that um, tentatively you can expect FIU back mid to late this month. And they're going to kind of stagger the way that uh, they bring the players back, but it does look like we'll have football to talk about soon. So, you know, it's something that we've kind of held off on for the past few months, but once we get the players back, we will get a little football centric, you know, kind of pick up where we missed off as far as spring previews go and all those, all that, uh, all that good stuff. So once again, thank you for listening, any feedback, positive or negative, feel free to DM us, feel free to DM the podcast page and uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there, everybody.